this uh, passage in Mark and this parable that we're looking at this evening is all about how we listen to God's words, the attitude we have when we hear God's words. I read recently uh, of a pastor who knew a man who had had surgery for uh, throat cancer, uh, but this surgery had left him unable to speak. Uh, But through the wonders of technology, he uh, learned to use an electronic device to communicate. Uh, And apparently he would hold up this electrical gadget to his throat and the vibrations, the machine would pick up the vibrations from his throat and it would allow him to speak through this machine. And the pastor said how amazing this technology was, but even so, it was difficult to hear exactly what this man said. And so in order to hear him, the pastor would have to lean in and block out all other noise and listen carefully so that he could understand what the man was saying. And I want you to hold that picture, that little story in your minds uh, as we look at this passage because Jesus makes very clear in this chapter that he's very concerned about how we listen to his voice. Uh, Jesus, it seemed, was comparatively unconcerned about how he spoke God's word, the truth of it. Uh, He obviously spoke the truth, but the ways he did it were uh, many and various. Uh, Sometimes he preached from a mountaintop. Sometimes he preached in a valley. Uh, He preached at dinner tables. Uh, In this passage, he even preaches from a boat on the sea. Uh, We read in verse 1, he began to teach by the sea and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. Uh, He preached standing up, sitting down in all sorts of contexts, to all sorts of people, in all sorts of situations. But something always remained the same. And that was his concern about how people listened to what he was saying. Uh, Look at verse 9 of chapter 4. It says, And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's a very common phrase that Jesus uses time and time again. Those who have ears to hear, let him hear. And similarly, later on this chapter, in verse 24, uh, he says, uh, the beginning of verse 24 is, then he said to them, take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. That's the reason behind the title of the message this evening. Watch what you hear. Slight mixing of metaphors there, I know, but hopefully... Uh, you will remember it. Jesus repeatedly taught that we need to pay attention. We need to watch what we hear. 
We need to listen carefully what he says. And this whole parable, uh, the very famous parable of the sower, is about how we listen to God's word. Uh, So what I want to do is just go through the parable and just uh, explain based on Christ's own explanation of what the parable means and then look at the application of it to each of us. And notice how Jesus starts in verse 3. He says, listen, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And he makes clear uh, later on when he's giving the explanation of the parable in verse 14 that the seed that this sower sows is the word of God. Uh, Ultimately, it's the gospel, the message of who Jesus is and what he has done as contained in the Bible. That's what the seed represents in this story. And this sower spreads the word. He shares God's word. And this seed falls on four different types of soil. And these four different types of soil represent the hearts of different sorts of people. And their responses differ based on the state of their hearts. Uh, The first soil is the wayside, uh, the path. You could say it's not soil at all. It's just the hard path. And as the sower sprinkles and spreads his seed liberally, some of it falls off the field and onto the path at the side. Uh, Jesus describes it in verse 4. He says, And it happened, as he sowed, that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And he explains the meaning in verse 14, He's in verse 15. He said, these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. In other words, these people are people who hear God's word. They listen to a sermon or they listen to a friend explaining to them who Jesus is and what he's done. They perhaps hear it from a preacher in the street or read it in a a tract, a leaflet, or wherever they hear it, they hear God's words, but it has no effect. It's like water off a duck's back. It doesn't pique their interest. They just immediately lose any interest in it. Uh, It has no obvious effect on them at all it seems. Sadly, I'm sure we all know people like this. I'm sure there have been people in our own experience who we've shared with them uh, the wonderful truths contained in God's words, and it just seems meaningless to them. They show no sign of any concern at all. And Jesus says that's like the seed that falls on the wayside immediately as it were, the devil takes the word and it bears no fruit. But he moves on and he talks about the second soil. You can see this in verse 5. Jesus says, Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And Jesus explains who these are. In verse 16, in verse 16, he says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground 
who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these people are different from the first set of people, those who are like the seed falling on the wayside, because they hear God's words and they like what they hear. Uh, they think, this is interesting. Uh, this is appealing. I want to look into this. Uh, they respond with joy, we're told. They receive it with gladness. But they only endure for a time. Uh, the joy does not continue. Uh, if you've ever read The Pilgrim's Progress uh, by John Bunyan, I was born just a mile or two away of when John Bunyan lived. And in his book, The Pilgrim's Progress, which I think is the world's second top seller, the top seller is the Bible. Uh, but in The Pilgrim's Progress, he describes how Christian goes on a journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city. But right at the beginning of his journey, when evangelist has told him to head to the wicked gate, uh, he has a companion join him, a man called Pliable. And... Uh, initially there are two companions pliable and obstinate and christian tries to convince them to come with him on his journey to the celestial city and obstinate refuses and says no he's perfectly happy where he is in the city of destruction thank you very much and he leaves christian but pliable is intrigued Uh, pliable is intrigued by the wonderful promises that christian makes and the wonderful description of the celestial city And Pliable says, if these things are true, then I want to follow. I want to come with you. And he joins Christian on the journey. And on the path, they speak of all the wonderful things which will be their experience in the celestial city. But then before too long, they fall into a bog, into the slough of despond. And Pliable barely escapes with his life. And he manages to crawl out of the bog on the side of the city of destruction and in bitterness and anger he rebukes Christian and he says to Christian why did you tell me all the wonderful things we would experience when look all we've experienced is pain suffering difficulty and in disgust he turns his back on Christian and goes back to the city of destruction and that's a Good picture of the stony soil. Uh, They hear the word and initially they receive it with gladness, but then trouble comes. Persecution, difficulty, suffering. And they say, this is too much. If this is what it, uh, it means to listen to what God's word has to say, then I don't want any part of it. And they don't bear fruit. They fall back. That's the second soil. But Jesus describes the third soil. Uh, You can read this in verse 7. Jesus says, And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. So we've had the seed which landed on the wayside on the path, which is taken away immediately by the birds. Satan causes God's words to have no fruit at all. Uh, We've seen the stony soil where Uh, initially there seems to be life and joy and enthusiasm but then struggling and 
uh, tribulation and persecution comes and it withers away. But with this one, it's slightly different. Uh, The seed falls on the soil, but there's thorns there. There are other things competing for the seed's um, uh, feeding. And Jesus says this is like people who hear God's words and they initially receive it, but then other things crowd in. Uh, They're not put off by suffering, but they're enticed away by pleasures, by temptations. As Jesus puts it in verse, um, as he puts it in verse 19, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. They're lured away from Christ by the pleasures and the attractive things of this world. And so they become unfruitful. Uh, The Bible speaks of several characters who were like this. Uh, Perhaps the most famous is Paul in Thessalonians. I think it's Thessalonians. He describes Demas. Uh, Demas was one of his companions. And I, I forget which letter, but in one letter he commends Demas as a good companion of his. In a later letter, he describes how Demas has forsaken him because he's loved this present world. Demas did not endure because he got seduced by the world around, and so he did not bear fruit. He was like someone who received the words, like the thorny soil. But then Jesus describes the fourth and last soil. And you can read this in verse 8. Jesus says, But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And this soil Christ describes as good soil. God's word enters in and the people receive it. And they love it, and then they endure, and they bear fruit. Not all to the same extent. Some bear 30-fold, some bear 60-fold, and some 100. But they all bear fruit. They endure in their walk with Christ. So those are the four types of soil which Jesus describes Uh, The four ways that we can listen to God's words. And so the crucial question, of course, this evening is, which are you? Uh, Which am I? Uh, What soil do we most resemble? Are we like the seed which fell the soil, the wayside, the path, the hard ground, which, where God's word made no effect whatsoever. Uh, perhaps you're sitting here this evening and you're bored to tears. Now, I apologize for that, but uh, there's a warning there. Uh, Jesus said that we can hear God's words and yet it can go in one ear and out the other. That's when the devil takes away God's words and it doesn't bear any fruit. Perhaps that's you here this evening. Uh, Perhaps 
you're like the stony soil. And perhaps there was a time when you loved God's word and you received it with enthusiasm, but now life's hard and being a Christian, following Christ, is causing problems and difficulties and hindrances in your life and you're starting to wonder, is it really worth it? And perhaps you might wonder, am I the stony soil? Uh, Perhaps you're more like the thorny soil and life's going well. And you're being lured by the things of this world around us and other things are crowding in and going to church and reading your Bible seems very dull and boring and lifeless in comparison to the other things on offer. Perhaps God's word is in danger of being choked out by the cares and the concerns of this world. If so, perhaps you're like the thorny soil. Or are you like the good soil who hears God's word and although life might get difficult, although the temptations of this world might seem strong, nevertheless you cling to him. Now, as we seek to answer that question, there's really only one way uh, to know for sure which we are. None of us can see the future. Uh, Nobody can see how we respond to God's word tomorrow. Uh, All we can look at is how we respond today. And there's an interesting four or five verses in the middle of this account, in between when Jesus tells the parable and when he explains it. Uh, Look at verse 10. Jesus just told the parable of the sower, and it says, But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive. And hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven. In those verses, we see a clear distinction between two sets of people. Jesus tells this parable, this parable of the sower. And it seems that nobody understood what he was talking about. Um, The Pharisees who we met in a previous week, they didn't understand the parable. The religious leaders didn't understand the parables. Uh, The common people who listened to Jesus didn't understand the parable. The disciples, the twelve, didn't understand the parable. But Jesus gave the meaning to those who were willing to ask. That's what it said in verses 10 and 11. It says, when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. They were the ones who had ears to hear. Do you remember how Jesus said that in verse 9, immediately before these verses? 
He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus goes on to explain, in fact, that he deliberately spoke in parables so that those who did not want to understand, those who had no interest in understanding, wouldn't understand. But those who did want to understand, those who did want to get to the bottom of what Jesus said, they would understand. Uh, If I can put it this way reverently, it's like Jesus, as it were, lowered his voice. In teaching through these parables, he spoke in a whisper so that only those who really wanted to hear would hear. That's what it means to have ears to hear. And that's the question we should ask ourselves this evening when we're answering that question, which type of the soil are we? Are we people who really want to hear what Christ has to say to us? You know, some people uh, torture themselves with the question, uh, do I really have faith? Uh, have I been given the gift of faith? Uh, in verse 11, uh, Jesus says to these people, uh, the disciples and the others who asked him the meaning, he said, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And as I say, some people torture themselves the question, am I one of those people? Have I been given insight into the kingdom of God's? And some people get very distressed because they think, well, I don't feel like I do have insight. Sometimes I doubt the Bible's true. Sometimes I doubt that Christ really loves me. Sometimes I read the Bible and I haven't got a clue what it's talking about. And people think, perhaps I haven't got ears to hear. Perhaps I don't have faith. But that's really the wrong question to ask. Uh, The question to ask isn't, have I been given faith? The question is, where do you go with your doubts? Where do you go with your confusion? Where do you go when temptations get too strong? Where do you go when the sufferings that you're going through for being a believer, where do you go when they get too much to bear? Because that is what distinguishes the person who has ears to hear and the person who does not. That's what distinguishes the good soil from the other sorts of soil. Uh, the seed which fell on the wayside, they're people who hear God's word, but they immediately dismiss it. They say it's nonsense, it's crazy. I'm sure Christ had plenty of people around him who just mocked him for his teaching. Uh, The Pharisees just laughed at him for what he had to say or simply got offended by it and they wouldn't even listen. Uh, There were others who would follow him, but then life would get too hard. It would get too difficult. And instead of running to Christ for the endurance and strength that only he could give, they said, this is too much. And like pliable, they turn their back on Christ and on what he says. 
Still others get seduced by the world around. And instead of taking that temptation and running to Christ and say, help me, help me endure. Help me to see the truth of your word. Help me to see the lies of temptation. Instead of doing that, they turn their back on Christ and they follow the course of this world. But those who bear fruit, those who are good soil, are those who come to Christ and say, help. Teach me. Teach me what you are saying. That's what the disciples did here. That's what these few people did who were around the disciples. They didn't understand any more than the Pharisees. They didn't, uh, in a sense, have any special insight except they knew where to go. They knew where to go with their problem. And that's what we need to do as well. If we want to be good soil, we have to be those who run to Christ. When we feel confused, we run to him. When we have doubts, we run to him. When we are struggling with temptation, we run to him. When we are struggling with the burdens we have to bear, we run to him. That's what it means to have a heart of good soil. It means to have a heart that is eager to listen to what Christ has to say. And when we have that heart, we will bear fruit. Uh, It may not happen quickly. Uh, It may not happen in the way we would like immediately. But given time, we will bear fruit. Some of us more than others, some 60-fold some 30-fold, some 100-fold. Nevertheless, if we have that humble attitude of running to Christ, we will bear fruit. Uh, There was a a pastor and professor uh, called Fred Craddock uh, who died in 2015. Uh, But he gave uh, a little illustration of what it's like to bear fruit in uh, our Christian lives. And Uh, He pointed out that sometimes we can think of it as like uh, when we give our lives to Jesus, it's like taking a whole bank account and, as it were, laying it on the table in front of God and saying, here's my life, Lord. I'm giving it all. Take it. But in reality, it's not quite like that. Uh, Because in reality, what God does, as it were, is he sends us back to the bank and he wants us to cash everything we have into individual pound coins. And as we go through life, we give, as it were, two pounds here and five pounds there. Uh, And bit by bit, we give our life day by day in a daily walk with him. Uh, The Christian life is not just one big act of sacrifice. It's a lifetime of walking with him. Uh, It's listening to a child's troubles instead of saying, go away. Uh, It's going to a boring committee meeting because it's what is right. Uh, It's giving a cup of cold water to an old person in a nursing home. This is what it means to bear fruit in the Christian life. It's not just one blaze of glory act 
It's little acts of faithfulness, little acts of grace, little acts of kindness, as God gives us the strength, gives us the strength to endure day by day following him. And this pastor put it like this. He said, usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, one pound coin at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. That's what Christ asks of us. Uh, Too many people are flashes in the pan. And they uh, start off with great enthusiasm. but They don't have the endurance to continue. Because they're not looking to Christ for that strength which they need. To be good soil, we must be looking to him who said, without me, you can do nothing. So that's the question to each of us this evening. Uh, How do you listen to God's words? Uh, Is it snatched from your heart immediately and do you have no interest whatsoever? Uh, Do you find yourself tempted to dismiss it when life gets hard? Do you find yourself tempted to ignore it when the other things of this world seem more attractive? Or when you are faced with temptation, when you are faced with persecution, when you are faced with all the difficulties and troubles of life, do you run to Christ? Do you run to him for the help that only he can give? And if it's that latter one, uh, you will bear fruit. Not because of anything good in you, but because of the strength that only he has. And that's why I've chosen as our final hymn, number 764. 764. And it just expresses uh, in a hymn form uh, that truth. Number 764. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with those and with all who will trust and obey, with the chorus, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So we'll close by singing 764.